Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Welcome back to the Nine Tanks T. Drew's with you for another episode tonight. Joining us is one of Australia's rising talents in Jack Thompson. Jack tells a fantastic story uh, about his career, obviously a very quick ascension through the ranks from joining at about the age of seven um, with a handicap of 31 to getting to scratch um, just a handful of years later and then kind of falling out of love with the game to an extent. Um really enjoying cricket and then just a, a really interesting story um, about how he fell, I guess, back in love with the game and how um, I guess he really became to being a professional golfer. So um, a wonderful story to hear um, from Jack Thompson. Of course, before we do get to that, if you are new here, we'd love you to rate and subscribe and, and review us. We really do appreciate that. That helps us out massively. And then of course, uh, to our friends at Cobra Puma, um, they have the new, range of drivers and irons and and woods out as well the ltdx you can absolutely get in touch um with any of your local golf stores uh, and get your hands on them they are fantastic clubs our friends at sure shot engage roads and oakley uh, thank you for your continued support and of course to the golf collective as well the 19th t is the code you need there to get a very very cheap managed handicap so um, thanks to all of our partners for their ongoing support. Without any further ado, let's get to Jack Thompson. All right, Jack, welcome to the 98th T podcast, mate. Great to have you on. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's good to be here. I've had a few of my mates come on here, so I'm um, looking forward to being a part of it. One that we've got to get right off the very top. We've had Louis Dobler on recently, um, who yep. told us about a nickname that I think that you might have coined for him. Uh, and Jed Morgan okay. actually told us about this as well. And it's a nickname for Louis Dobler that's yeah. Atlas. And we're Atlas. very Atlas. Okay. And okay. Um, he, apparently you're the one who coined the nickname because when he goes out like, on really? the beers, he promises the world but delivers an Atlas. Is there any truth to this or has Jed thrown you completely under the bus? I'd actually like to think that Jed's coined that one. I don't know why. I think he's trying to come across as this nice guy, but I reckon he's the one that's given him this name. Um, can confirm that it's true about Louis. Sorry to throw you under the bus, mate. But um, de- definitely he's a bit of an atlas, but I- I'm not going to take credit for giving him that nickname. I'm, I'm not sure why Jed isn't because it's actually pretty good. But um, It's a great nickname. Yeah, it's awesome. It fits in pretty well. And you know what? He doesn't like it. So that's even better when you try and get a nickname for someone and they don't like it. Like, that's the best part. That's what makes a good nickname. <laughs> and then as a follow-up to that, uh, Louis' comeback was that they that you and him called Jediah Morgan, Jabiah Morgan, in regards to table tennis competitions because he was practically a buy-around. Is that true? I mean, to be honest, both of them are pretty shit like it's funny <laughs> that louis does say that because honestly and like i'm surprised well he hasn't mentioned it because he does suck but we would have played 75 games and it's 72 to 3 my way <laughs> so if that doesn't scream by i'm not sure what does i think maybe he's trying to deflect it away but um it, louis just all in his head when he plays he's actually <laughs> all right but he just i think it's just just because of the score line like i feel like jed when he's going well, like he like most of the time he's pretty on. Um, same with Louis. I feel like Louis's probably a bit more streaky, but I'd say Louis's probably more the buy than Jed. He uh, he did talk you up. He did talk your table tennis ability up. And oh, did he? Wow, that's nice of him. Yeah, you were clearly yeah. the best of the three. But um, I mean, oh, I, right. I guess out of the, uh, you've obviously got a good bond with those yeah. two. I imagine. Yeah. Um, have you lent on them? Have you? Have you sort of? I mean, worked with them over the past few months as well because it has been yeah. a challenging time for Australian golfers, particularly. Yeah, I won't yep. say Australian golf because I think Australian golf's yeah, probably been doing all right. <laughs> never been in a better position. But for for a golfer, yeah. and we'll get to your decision to turn pro and and all of that very yeah. shortly. But have you sort of yeah. lent on the likes of Louis and Jed and the other guys your age because there's a really good cohort coming through at the moment, 
of which you're certainly part of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's only good to have so many guys come through as well. Obviously, it's competitive, I guess, for, um, I guess, rookie selections or whatever, that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, you always, I think, want to be up there and you always want to be better than each other um, as long as you can do it in a nice way. You know, it obviously doesn't get um, hurtful or anything like that, um, if you know what I mean. But it's always nice that we sort of push each other um, and, you know, you just want to be better than each other in a, in a nice way. So, um, yeah, just general competitiveness. And I think that shows even with, you know, table tennis, like, you know, we just want to beat each other um, and have fun. So I think that it's great that we've all got that going. So, um, and it's pretty good. I mean, now that we're all pro, you know, it's pretty cool to say this is our job and we can travel around and, um, you know, have fun when we're on tour and that sort of stuff. So um, definitely makes it less lonely. And, you know, you've got your friends there with you. So, yeah. 2021, as we were kind of just talking about, and the 2022 wraparound season, is it a season? Is it a year? I think we're just going to go with season. That might be the easiest yeah. way. It's been um, it's been a good season for yourself. Obviously, um, you had the win at Gippsland Super 6, which we'll get into in a little bit more detail in, in a moment. And, yeah. and then a good performance uh, at the Aussie PGA as well, a T12 finish. Um, yeah. And I mean, realistically, if you take Jed's, incredible performance out of yeah. it you you were five shots off second place which is um a really it's a strong... little bit better it is <laughs> it's a it little is. bit better than however many I, can't, I don't even know what he finished in the end i know it was a lot but 22 under 22 under i think yeah so uh, i yeah, mean i was the... a fair few back of that <laughs> yeah so was everyone else to be honest so was andrew Dope, yeah. who was second but i mean yeah. the 2021 22 season has been a a really good one for yourself i guess it must be pleasing to build a bit of confidence, I guess, kickstart yeah. your, your pro career moving forward. And, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on the win very shortly, but just, I guess, 2021, 22 season as a whole, how have you found it? Yeah. I mean, obviously it was great um, to win the second event of the season. Um, yeah. Sometimes I think like, not that well, I can't believe it happened, but it was just such a nice thing. I think obviously being so early in my career, um, you know, obviously I want to go on and win, you know, bigger events and that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, I'm reminded that, you know, some people, you know, turn pro and they never win a tournament. You know, they, they could be pros for 20 years and they never win one. Um, so to win one, I guess, within my sixth or seventh start on on tour as a pro um, was, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and only good things to come from that. So hopefully just carried on to the rest of the season. And it's nice to sort of have that, I guess, buffer already and um, secure some status or job security. Um, so, yeah, just got to build from that and just keep going. How much is that in the back of your mind, job security? It's an interesting, it's an interesting term that you use because I guess a lot of people probably don't think about it in that sense. That it is a sense of yeah, you, you need yeah. status to be able to play somewhere, whether that's Europe or the states or, or whatever that is yeah. or here. How much is that in the back of your mind? Obviously, you, you make the decision to turn pro last year, which we'll, as I keep saying, we'll get to. But yeah, yeah. I I guess how much is that in the back of your mind coming into this season that it's kind of like, yeah, I do actually need to now perform as a professional to, yeah. I guess, A, make money, but B, yeah. have some status to be able to play. Yeah, I think um, like now, I honestly, like I couldn't tell you how like, how many years I've got from that. Like, it, I don't know if it's one or two, like I haven't really looked, um, but it's just nice knowing that like you um, can just go out and play. And I think when you've got that sort of stuff, like the pressure's taken off you a little bit because you know, everyone puts pressure on themselves. So, um, yeah, it's taken off by having that. And now I can sort of just go forward rather than thinking, oh, you know, like I have to keep playing well to, you know, secure my card kind of thing. Um, and I guess for me, like I want to go overseas. So um, to win, I guess that gives me, um, well, depending on how the rest of this year goes, like if the order of merit is still a little bit out of reach, um, for those top three cards, you know, I can go somewhere else and not have to worry about, you know, oh, I don't have my Aussie card. It's like nice to just have that as a backup kind of thing. And now I can go anywhere. So, um, yeah, I think it, it was massive for me. Um, and uh, again, just a confidence thing as well. How much is that order of merit sort of in the picture for you at the moment? Because I'm just looking here, you're 13th on, on the current order of merit. The top three are going yeah. through. I would say that Jed is probably pretty... Yeah, well, I think secured. he's wrapped up. <laughs> I think, I think he's going to have a few beers yeah. now and park it up, and I think it'd still be fine. So I think so. But two and three are still certainly yeah. up for grabs. And then there's guys yeah. like Louis Dobler, who's you know certainly um, he's fifth, but he's probably he's going to head off 
uh, overseas soon. So there are going to be guys yeah. be- between you and those other positions that are going to not play as many events and um, not sure what your plans are for the year, but how much is that in the, in the picture for yeah. you, that order of merit? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was massive. You know, I you know, said to my coach as well that, you know, I want to win the order of merit. Um, obviously, Jed winning the PGA, it um, sort of takes that equation out. But, um, you know, I, I thought it was only one, uh, one card and then I was told that it's three. So uh, after the PGA, I was still like, oh, you know, that's still achievable. Um, yeah, obviously I had the Vic Open last week and didn't play well there. But um, yeah, it's massive. You know, that was my sort of thing. I wanted to sort of play a full year on any tour just to get a feel for it because, you know, as an amateur, you know, you might get a few invites, but they might come. You might get two in two weeks or you might get one and then another one six months later. So I just wanted to play a full season, you know, build it up. I find that I play better when I've got continuous events, you know, you can build from them um, and then go from there. And then, you know, there's there's various other exemptions you get from the order of merit. Um, if you look them up, I think obviously the top five go to final stage corn ferry. And then there's obviously there's some other tours there that they have exemptions. So um, I'll just focus on the rest of this year and and then go from there. So we're going to bounce around a little bit here, but the first question that we generally ask our guests is take us right back to the start and where your golf journey began. What are your first memories of the the game? So what's, yeah. uh, what's Jack Thompson's first memories of golf? Um, yeah, well, my mum was the golfer out of the family. Um, she was actually, I think she was like six or seven months pregnant um, and she was still playing. <laughs> um, she loves her golf. She plays twice a week still. Um, and yeah, I think I was yeah two or three just in the backyard. I think one of her um, friends had some old clubs, um, got them cut down, re-gripped. I think at those those times they didn't have the glue to dry it so quickly. I think now you can I think you can re-grip a club in like twenty minutes. And then back then it was like I say back then wasn't really that longer. I don't want to make myself too old. Um, <laughs> I think they just we had to leave them for a day um, on the windowsill to dry um, i just remember smacking them in the backyard um up against the shed um and yeah just going from there and just literally just yeah i think some of my good memories growing up was mum taking me out to the course after school and um down at the local club in port lincoln and we'd play twilight which was 10 holes on tuesday night so go and play in my school uniform and just yeah have fun and um yeah i think it's a great game that i still get to share that with her now so um you know we don't have to worry about our score or anything and and that sort of stuff but yeah that that's probably my earliest memories those with mum and and that was she a handy golfer or is she still a handy golfer or yeah she still is yeah she's plays off about uh, 13 or 14 um so yeah she definitely can still play and like she just loves it just genuinely loves going out there it's sort of her like her relaxation um you know a couple days off work to play and yeah, and just loves it. You remember, well, I guess, firstly, how did you take to the game? Was it a game that you picked up pretty easy? And do you remember the first time that you beat your mum on the golf course? Yeah, I, I couldn't pinpoint it. Um, I got my first handicap when I was seven, um, was, which was 31. Um, I think the first round of golf, 18 holes, I played off the men's tees. Um, I think I was maybe... Yeah, five or six or something. Uh, I had 128, uh, which I, I don't really know where to gauge if if that was good. I mean, I, I guess that's pretty good. It's five five years old, yeah. so like I think back now, if I had 128 shots now, I'd obviously give up. I reckon, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think just slowly going up. I think when I was probably 12, I was probably off about seven or eight. I think I was about 14 or 15 when I got to scratch. So I think somewhere in between. Yeah, before 12, I might have beaten it. I didn't really like, make it a big deal, I guess. I wasn't yeah. really like, oh, like, ha, I beat you. I'm sure I did at the time. Like, <laughs> I don't remember. But, um, yeah, I couldn't pinpoint a time, but it was probably somewhere around that. I won't sit you up too much. That's a relatively quick improvement from, you know, dub, a 31 handicapper to yeah. sort of low-ish double digits to scratch by the time you're 14 yeah, I, guess. Yeah, I guess yeah. were you was that i guess natural talent in there or was that really hard work were you grinding just before school after school combination of both like how do you what do you put that sort of success down to 
I don't know, maybe just like just genuinely enjoying it. Um, sounds pretty cliche, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, like if you're doing well at something, you're having fun, or if you're having fun, you're going to do well at something. I guess they go hand in hand. Um, but uh, I don't know, maybe I feel like for me, I'm not a super technical golfer. Um, so maybe <laughs> not trying to like sound arrogant or anything. I, I would put it down at that age more to natural talent i guess um i think now obviously i work a lot harder um you know to sort of bring them both in together um but i I couldn't tell you that i was i don't know living and breathing golf and anytime i had a club in my hand or you know i'd be smashing balls or something you know i'd probably do it quite often but um yeah i wouldn't say i was at the point where i was like you know like oh i need to start practicing now because i want to be a pro golfer it was just like you know i genuinely like it and just have fun so yeah, there's a wonderful article written on the Golf Australia website uh, by our good friend Tony Wiebeck, um, who was our very first guest on this podcast way back oh, yeah. in yeah. 2000, and I can't even remember when we started. Um, but he mentioned the the line here, and I'm really interested to to um, understand how this work worked at the time. Was you advanced your golf career um, in Adelaide? Uh, while yep. your mum remained in Port Lincoln, and and he mentioned here that your your father sadly passed away when you were a young age. So I'm just keen to, yeah. you know, um, you tell us obviously as much as you want to tell us, but yeah. you know, yeah. unpack that. Um, you know, obviously the decision to move to to Adelaide, and um, I guess yeah. away from your mum who brought you into the game. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a tricky one. There was sort of a stage there where I wasn't playing golf. Um, yeah, it's a it's a kind of like a long story. I sort of like, um, yeah, I think I made the junior state team the last year. I think that was 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I like the game. I sort of, I think at that point, like I'd been playing cricket for a few years, um, loved playing cricket. You know, it was, it was so awesome. I think playing golf, like it's obviously fun and stuff, but like, you know, when you're that age, like, all my mates back at school were talking about, you know, their footy games on the weekend and, you know, like getting around at the club and that sort of stuff. Um, and I guess the thing that was easier for me was cricket. Um, I can't say I'm the hardest nut. Like I wanted to play footy, but I know that I'd just be a softie. Um, so I guess cricket was the closest thing. Um, and I, I thought I was pretty good at it. Um, you know, enjoyed it as well. Um, so I guess that took a lot of my attention and there'd be times where, you know, I'd want to be, I think golf, I think Colts we'd play start at 8.30 and then finish at 11.30 and then we'd have an hour break and then we play A grade after. And that was 12.30 to 6. So on a sad day, well, obviously Saturday is the main golf day. If you're at school, you know, I'd, I was like, oh, I don't really want to play golf. Like I want to play cricket. Mm. Um, so a good period of time there was more into cricket. Um, yeah, I still played like a few tournaments and stuff like that. Um, and then pretty much from 2016 to 2017, I didn't really play any events. I was sort of coming out of school. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, was just super unsure. Like, you know, a lot of, um, guys from my school went to uni and I was a bit like, oh, I don't really want to go to uni. Like I don't, don't see that path. And I, I sort of guess I just got stuck in the trap. I'm from a small town and I guess it's very easy to just sit around and do nothing kind of thing. And, um, and then, yeah, moved to Adelaide for uh, different reasons. Um, and then I guess for that, things didn't really work out. And I was kind of over in Adelaide, um, you know, by myself kind of thing. And I was like, oh, like, what am I going to do now? Um, wasn't really sure what was happening. And I actually tried, um, rang up the one of the unis. And I, I actually didn't know what my ATAR score was because I was like, uni, I'm like, why would I need that? You know, like, yeah. I didn't really try at school for that. And I like, I regret it now. I, well, obviously not like uh, hopefully i don't go down that path but at the time i was like you know like why do i need an atar kind of thing so i rang him up and i was like oh i was just trying to think of like things i want to do and i think naturally i gravitate to sports so i thought oh you know maybe i could be like a PE teacher or something like that and so i remember ringing him up and being like oh you know like what was my score because like from being from the country you get bonus points um and they're like oh like this is it and then i looked it up and it was like i couldn't i didn't have enough points to do teaching and um, I was kind of like, well, there goes that plan. Like, what am I going to do now? Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't really, didn't really do that much. Kept, you know, going out with my mates, having fun. 
um, in Adelaide and uh, all the money I'd saved from working before was kind of slowly dwindling away, uh, which I found out that goes pretty quick when you're not making any money, you know, rent and all that sort of stuff. So um, going out on the weekends doesn't really help either. doesn't help the bank account. So, um, and then, yeah, well, a couple of the mates I'd known from Adelaide, I was a member at Grange and uh, I remember them, I can't remember what day, I think it was a Sunday or something. And they were like, oh, you know, come out and have a hit. And at this point, like, you know, I didn't really want to play golf that much. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll give it a miss. And they're like, oh, we're playing in a cart. And I was like, well, fuck, say less. Like, I'll, I'll come out and play then. Um, and I hadn't played <laughs> for these. three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't played for about three or four weeks. And I think I had nine under. Um, and I was like, oh, that, that was pretty good. I didn't really think much of it because, you know, I wasn't really like, was just having fun kind of thing. And um, there, there was kind of a big story at the time with it. Like uh, one of my mates, his name's Tyson. He, um, we had a, one of his parties and obviously there was a few drinks involved. And um, yeah, I'd only known him for a little bit at the time. And, um, you know, we were just mucking around, having fun. I think it was one of his birthdays or, or something like that. And um, I just remember we were just laughing. We're having a good time. And then I remember walking off and then all of a sudden I felt like a, someone's just come and gone bang. And I kind of turned around. I was like, I'm like, what's going on here? I was so confused. And I look at him and, um, you know, he's there and he like, he's obviously just punched me. And I was kind of a bit like, what's going on? Like, you know, I'd only really known this bloke for a little bit. Like we got on really well um, quickly. Um, and then, yeah, we sort of got into a bit of a scruff and um, got separated. And he at the time was like, you know, like, oh, you know, like, never want to see you again, like get pretty much and and that. And I was really confused. I was sort of a bit like, oh, like, what's going on here? Like, obviously, I'd known we'd have a few beers and I was a bit confused. I thought maybe I'd done something and it was his birthday. So I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll just leave. Like, this is obviously, there's nothing. I, like, you know, it's his birthday. I don't want to be stuffing it up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think his dad got him to have a word and he sort of like sat me down and, um, he's like, mate, he's like, you just fucking piss me off so much. He's like, I was confused. I was like, where's this going? Like, yeah. <laughs> when you've known you for so long, like, you know, and I think after a few beers, you know, everyone gets a bit, you know, deep and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. And he goes, because like, he uh, played with me when I had that score. Um, and he was like, mate, it just annoys me. Like, you can do that and you just don't care. Like, you just don't care at all. You're going to waste like what you've got um you know i'd love to be able to do that like you just don't give a shit and it just pisses me off so much that like you can act like that and you're not giving it a crack and i was like obviously it didn't go exactly like that or yeah, like repeat, yeah yeah um <laughs> repeat exactly what he said um i don't think i ever will until i sort of get to a decent point where we can well obviously we laugh about it but we're like oh you know you remember when you said those exact words kind of thing yeah and um I was like, wow, like that took, even though he punched me, um, I always joke that he, you know, he's got the softest fist in the world, but <laughs> um, it took a lot for him to actually say that. And, you know, pretty much just, you know, chewed me up and spat me out and said like, look, like you need to do something. Like, like what are you doing with your life? Like at that point, you know, I was having fun all the time. Like all my mates that I was drinking with or whatever, you know, they, they could do that. They were working nine to five jobs or, you know, working for the weekend, you know, but I was doing nothing on the weekdays and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, so it, it took a lot for, for him to say that. Um, and it meant a lot to me and it obviously still does now um, that he could say that. Um, obviously the beers helped with the courage to say it, but yeah, um, yeah it, it was kind of just like, wow. And I think, you know, when, when you get a bit of motivation, stuff like that, like when you first hear it, you're like, oh yeah, like, you know, like you're all like all G'd up and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it lasted for uh, yeah a couple months. I think I got, I got sent to a, a Tassie Open, like uh, amateur event or something. I came fifth, um, which was good. Um, it was only, you know, my third or fourth men's event I'd played. So I was pretty stoked with that. And then um, at the time, like I didn't have a lot of money. Mum um, was sort of helping me out. And I thought, you know, this is a pretty good gig, um, Golf Australia or Golf SA at the time. Um, sending two guys to every event and I thought you know what let's let's try and just beat the person that you're getting sent with because theoretically you know if you beat them like there's no reason why you can't get sent again you know they, they would at least have to go past that guy you know and you know give you give a reason for you to get picked again so every event to you after that 
I um, just had that mindset of just beating the guy that I got sent with. And then um, it got to, yeah, t- end of 2017 and um, down my way. And I'm sure any, everywhere else, you know, everyone has a big New Year's, you know, celebrates and, and that sort of stuff at that age. Um, and, and yeah, I just said to myself, you know what, enjoy this last time, you know, have a few beers, enjoy it. Um, and then 2018, let's really, you know, let's, let's give it a go. Um, so did that, um, played Aussie Am, first Aussie Am, made it to the match play. I was like, yeah, pretty stoked. Um, still remember one of the boys, he was, um, he was laughing. I think Minwoo was still an amateur at the time and it was his home, home Aussie Am. And, um, he goes, I was like, how funny would that be if you have to play him? Like, you're going to get smoked. Like, you know, he'd just come off whatever it was. And um, and the draw comes out and old mate's laughing at me. And I'm like, oh, what's up for? He's like, oh, you're playing David Nicolosi. And at the time, you know, he'd just won Master of the Ams. I didn't really know that much at the time. Um, and I think I was honestly like, you know, when people play match play, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I lost three and four, but I was five under, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. they always exaggerate it. Like I was genuinely like five under or four or five under and I lost five and four. And I yeah. thought like, wow, like if I actually want to be any good at this game, like I can't be doing that. Like I have to be up to that standard. Um, and then, yeah, just went from there, went on a run, finished third at Avondale, um, won Riversdale. And then I had a bunch of seconds. And I think it was funny because by the end of the year, the fir- my first year of playing men's events, I think I got to 31 in the world. Mm. um as an amateur which um obviously helped with not playing that many events um and then yeah got an invite into the aussie open from that which was a bit surreal at that point because i was like a year ago you know i was mucking around not even really doing that much and then i was playing an aussie open so um very long story um and then yeah just kept going from there and then i guess yeah talked about that bit quite a lot and then yeah obviously fast forward to now where I get to say that it's my job and, you know, I've won an event. So, um, that's yeah, an incredible, that's... incredible 10 minutes. It really <laughs> it's a bit was a like, story, but no, it's, uh, but I think it's really important part of your story too, because I think, you know, there's, we've had so many guys and girls on this show who have gone down the exact same path as you have early doors and and they've got a handicap early and they've shown some natural talent. They've got to scratch really young. And then by 14 or 15, they've gone, fuck it. School's not really what I want to be doing. I want to play Mm. golf. And they know from the outset that golf is what they want to be doing. And I think it's really interesting to see someone who probably didn't, I don't know, by your own admission, sounds like you didn't really have the passion to go forward and be a professional golfer when you were that age, because you wanted to play cricket and you wanted to hang out with your mates and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, I guess that's a really important part of your story that you kind of did have this, not, I don't know, maybe you did have a fallout of love with the game only to be brought, I guess, back to Earth yeah, by your mate yeah. Tyson. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I guess, you know, growing up as a kid, like I, I loved it. Like, you know, I always wanted to be a pro golfer kind of thing, but I think those, that sort of part where I was playing cricket, it was more at that age, you know, at school, it's a social thing and yeah. cricket with your mates, like loved it. Like still love cricket to this day. Like I'd I'd go back and play a game of cricket if I could anytime. I yeah. just genuinely love it. Um but I guess that being said, I kind of didn't get burnt out. Like I feel like some people did because I went through that part of not playing. So I wasn't there like getting frustrated and stuff. I sort of skipped that and then I sort of came back to it when I guess I was like ready. Um, which I feel like maybe he's given me not the edge, but like over those people because like as you mentioned you know some people might burn out kind of thing um so yeah it, it's hard to explain it's a weird sort of journey you know um it's been so far like i obviously i yeah couldn't thank my mate enough for doing it you know he probably could have done it in a bit of a better way but <laughs> yeah i was just gonna um, say <laughs> but it, it was awkward for a little bit maybe a day or two and then like now we just laugh and all my mates over on at the golf club jokes about it not so much anymore, but like the time, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it, he definitely helped me out in that sense. Like, who knows? Like, you know, if he didn't do that, you know, I could still be here. Um, you never know. So, yeah, interesting. I guess, you know, fast forwarding through there, um, you win at Riversdale. I guess, yeah. how much of a relief is that 
first victory, that first significant victory. I mean, you've won yeah. heaps of stuff when you're coming through, right? Like you, like you, as a kid, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say I won heaps of amateur stuff, but um, but that first, yeah. like, like Riversdale yeah. is, you know, in the upper echelon of amateur events in this country. Like, how how much of a relief or a sense of satisfaction is that moment where you're holding the trophy at the end? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's funny. Like, at the time, like, I hadn't really played many men's events. You know, there's guys that talk about, uh, I think there was, like, a Lake Macquarie amateur or Port Macquarie. Like, I didn't really know that much. And, like, obviously going to the event, I was like, oh, like, you know, it was really well run, um, heard great things about it, but I didn't really know that much of it. So when I kind of won, I was a bit like, oh, yeah, like, this is pretty good. Like, <laughs> I didn't really know that that sort of stuff about it. Um and it was kind of early on as well. Like, I think that would have only been, yeah, sixth or seventh men's event, you know. Like, I'd, I'd obviously played the classic, um, Golf SA Classic when it was there, but I hadn't played any other men's events um, interstate. So, it kind of was a bit like, and not so much in a relief, but it was just like, a, oh, like, oh, that was pretty good. Like, you know, let, let's keep going from there. Um but yeah, I'll always remember it. I mean, it's the biggest amateur tournament I won. Um, so yeah, not much else to say, I guess, about um, about that. But yeah, I guess fast forwarding through now to the professional ranks, twenty twenty one is when you make the decision to turn pro. I guess relatively early yep. in the year, twenty twenty one will probably go down as one of the more crazy years, I guess, for the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. more broadly and. You know, that rolled into 2022. But for golf in Australia in 2021, as I kind of alluded to at the top, I mean, the game boomed. It was phenomenal yeah, at the grassroots level. But at the, at the professional level, as is well documented through our podcast, yeah. the game really suffered. Um, and, and I guess professional players like yourself were the people who suffered the most because tournaments weren't running. I guess how yeah. difficult... Or, or I guess maybe can you take us through that decision to turn pro at that time? Was it sort of a set timeline that regardless of where we're at, I'm going to turn pro in, in um, at that time? Or, you know, take us through that call and, and who did you consult? Yeah, so it's funny. I think, um, uh, yeah, early 2020, um, yeah, I was only just starting to play pro events properly. I, I think 2019 I played um, Japan Open. I finished low amp. Um, and I was like, wow, that's pretty good. Like for, for me, like I, I think I'd only made one cut before that in a pro event. So it, it was a pretty big step for me. And I thought, you know what, like, you know, it's, it was only 22nd, but I was like, that's not too bad. Um, kind of thing. And then, um, 2020, I lost in a playoff to Anthony Quayle at mm-hmm. the Queensland Open, um, mm-hmm. as an amateur. Um, didn't really know that much about it at the time, like what it could mean or anything. I was still pretty annoyed. But then at the same time, I was pretty happy. It was a bit of a weird one. Um, yeah. And then that would have rolled on. I would have done, you know, the UK, US trip that all the amateurs do. Um, and then I was looking at turning pro at the end of 2020. Um, and then fast, obviously fast forward to March and the world was like, <laughs> I don't even know how to put it. I'm not even going to attempt to say, but it's pretty fucked i guess but um so it was i really didn't know what i was going to do and then um i got into i can't remember what it was maybe the ntpga was at the end of 2020 um played that and then still didn't really know where things were going i still wanted to go overseas again one more time um and then it pretty much it came to the aussie amateur um at kuyonga um that bloody one um just yeah completely stuffed up the last round um and I guess from that point on, it was kind of like, well, where do you go from here, really? Um, obviously, super disappointed to win, uh, to lose. Would have loved to have won. Um, and it was kind of like second place. If I'd finished second place, I wouldn't. it wouldn't have really done anything for me. It wouldn't have – I didn't feel like I had to prove anything. Um, it was first or nothing for me. Um, so I guess losing that, it was kind of a bit like, you know, that would have been great to put on the CV, but, you know, what what can I really do now? Um, my coach, who he's the high-performance manager for SA, for Golf Australia, um, Adrian Wickstein, my coach, um, 
he was kind of like, oh, you know, like, you know, he obviously has the inside words for that sort of stuff. And it was going to be hard as an amateur to travel. Um, I think a lot with government restrictions because it was like, you know, it's not your job. You're not, it's not essential that you go. So he pretty much said to me, look, like if you want to go overseas, like you're going to have to turn pro. Um, And I was always in the boat. I was like, I never want to turn pro unless I have status somewhere. Um, And, you know, he's always, I guess, believed in me as a good coach does um, and said like, mate, like just grow a set. Like you'll be fine. Like, you know, you're a great player. Um, You don't need to feel that, you know, to be comfortable and just be like, oh yeah, like I'll turn pro now that I got status. He's like, just go out there um, and just give it a go. And I was still a bit like, uh, and at the time, like, you know, I remember he had a chat with me and he was like about turning pro. He's like, yeah, like, let's do it. This was after the Aussie Am. And then he's like, well, like, how are you going to pay for all this? I think I had, I honestly, I think I had like $300 in my bank account. And um, he's like, what are you going to do? Because uh, I was at the time, I guess, going back um once i said you know i want to give it a go um i was very fortunate that my mum was like you know i'm happy to financially help you out like you really want to give this a go like i'll help you out um i mean but that can only go so far like mum mum wouldn't have 50 grand 100 grand for me to turn pro so mm-hmm. he's like well what are you going to do like how are you going to fund yourself and i was kind of like yeah like you make a great point you know you got to pay your affiliation fee you got to pay for the event you got to get to the event He's like, he's like, what are you going to do? I literally remember, I was like, I have no idea. I was like, I kind of felt like for me, like in a non like lazy way, I'm like, things just always work out for me. Like it'll work out. Yeah. Um, and then I was lucky enough to, um, you know, get the rookie scholarship from Golf Australia. Um, but that was half the problem. Like I was getting the money, but like, yeah, as you may know or not know, like they reimburse you. So you pay for it yourself and they give it back. I couldn't even pay for things. Like <laughs> I couldn't pay for it to start off with for them to even <laughs> reimburse me. So that was a problem. Um, and then, yeah, I was lucky enough. Um, uh, a member from Royal Adelaide, he helped me out, gave me a bit of money, uh, which was super nice. Um, always thankful for that. Like, I, yeah, can't thank him enough. Um, and then off I went. I found out I was getting, I think there's three events left in that year. Um, found out that I was going to get a, a start in the last three. Um, and then, yeah, went, let's pull the trigger. Let's go. Let's give it a crack. So, yeah. What is it do you think that amateurs are waiting for before turning professional? Because we so often hear about, I was just waiting for the right time. And I'm keen to understand, like, what that right time might be. Obviously, your story yeah. is a little different. But, like, I yeah. think of um, Akshay Batia, who we were talking to um, Josh Armstrong a couple of weeks ago and who played with yep. actually in the junior president's cup. And I reference actually, cause he just turned pro at the age of 17. He was like, I'm going to go yep. and get this experience and I'm going to start. And clearly he's got financial backing behind him to yep. be able to do all yeah. of that. But yeah, what must is be it? Nice. <laughs> yeah, must, must be nice. What is it? Do you think that the, that the amateurs are necessarily waiting for when they say it's the right time, I guess. It's funny you say that because I always said that to my coach. I always said that to Wiki. I said, you know, like I'm just waiting for the right time. And he's like, that's bullshit. And he's <laughs> like, what What are you waiting for? Like <laughs> kind of thing. And like, I, I, I do agree with him. It's not like you're like, oh yeah, I've done this. Like, like let's tick it off. Like that's what I need to do. It, I think it's kind of like, I guess for me, I needed a bit of a push, but deep down it was like I kind of knew that it would be the right time. You're always hesitant. Like, you know, when things change, you know, everyone, naturally everyone's a little you know a bit cautious and take a step back but um it kind of just felt right and i think for me i just wanted to make sure that you know i'd contended in a few pro events um that i knew what it was like um i guess being up there and being in the heat of the battle and you know i, I didn't want to just turn pro and then i'd never done any of that and then i get there and i'm trying to win my first event and i'm like well what do we do here like <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I didn't yeah, want to yeah. do that. So I guess for me, just like, you know, making cuts, contending, um, yeah, just just really being in the, in the heat of it. And I think the one that was like that, that made me think that was the Queensland Open where I lost in a playoff. I was like, oh, like I felt like I didn't have my best stuff, um, still lost in a playoff. Like I was like, that that's a pretty good sign. Like um, probably should have won it. 
Um, you know, obviously Quayle didn't play perfect golf either. Um, but I was like, you know, I genuinely had a good chance to win that. And I thought, you know, I guess if that's going to be the right time or that moment, uh, it was that. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, along with a bit of a push from my coach. So, I guess let's talk a little bit more about the Gippsland Super 6, which happens yeah. at the end of 2021, uh, the 19th of December yeah. to be uh, precise. I mean, it feels like it was... I don't know. It feels like it was yesterday, 2021, for whatever reason. I keep going to say last year, but it was, you know, about yeah. 18 months, ago, 18 months ago now. Um, take us through that because it wasn't the perfect tournament for you. You had three yeah, bogeys no in, in five yeah. holes and you nearly missed yeah. the match play section. I mean, I must admit, yeah. Super Six is a confusing format for even me oh, yeah, yeah. who loves <laughs> who loves the game. So you did yeah. you nearly missed the the match play, but then you just went on and you know had a had a really good couple of days and and ended up walking yeah. away with the trophy. I asked what yeah. does what does that do for you when you win your first professional tournament, I guess. Obviously you get cash in the bank, which is not <laughs> not the be all and end all, but no. It helps. It's definitely it, a nice. It thing. is yeah. very. It is very important. <laughs> yeah. Like I know everyone yeah. says, oh, it's all about the trophy and stuff, but you can't buy yeah. a fucking plane ticket with a trophy. Yeah. So exactly. You've got. Cash it might in- help you get an upgrade or something <laughs> like that. But you still got to get the ticket. It might. Um, yeah. So I, I guess obviously, what is what does that all what does that all mean to you? I mean, I read this quote here is quite um, pertinent, and I'll read it. This is from yourself. It says. I just think back to all the times where I was runner up and how much I hated losing. There are even times where I was wondering, am I gonna, am I ever gonna get over the line? So I guess you win, the trophy's in your hands. What's that sort of yeah. moment like afterwards? Is it a deep sigh, relief, excitement? What's it, what's going through your head? Yeah. Um, again, my I said that and my coach he hates that because he's like, mate, it's like your sixth event, like you, you know, like chill out. <laughs> but I think more referencing just like you know, there was a lot of amateur tournaments that I finished second uh, and third, and I was always up there. And just, it, they just never really happened. I never really got across the line. And I think that's more the frustration I was talking about. Um, and, you know, I think Aussie M, like having a five shot lead um, and blowing that, it was kind of a bit like, uh, you know, there obviously there were times there I was like, wow, like you had a five shot lead, mate, and you couldn't even bring it home. You know, and it, like in a bad way, it was quite a negative way to think about it. Um, so that was pretty hard. And then, you know, my motto or for ages going back was like, I just want to get so far in front so that I don't have to worry about that. Like, I can go down the last and, and be so comfortable. Um, so I guess this time it was like super satisfying to win it in a close, a close manner and, and have to hit that clutch shot or. Um, yeah, do all those things where like the pressure's on you and you're like, you have to do it. And I think as well as um, winning the playoff was even better because obviously losing um, a, a year or so back, um, it just made it even more satisfying to just actually get it done in a close matter. And it was like, you know, I needed to hit that shot and I hit it. And, you know, I needed to hold that part, I hold it. So it was just like, I think going forward, like, you know, I think Jordan um, Zunik, who I played, you know, he's like, you always remember your first one, which I definitely will. But I think I'll remember it more so from the fact that it was just such a satisfying way for me to do it. And I think it's given me the confidence going forward to be like, you know what, if it's going to be close, like you've done it before, like, why can't you do it again? Why can't you hold that putt on the last hole to win by one? So, um, yeah, I'll always remember that one. What were the celebrations like, like that night? Pretty subdued, actually. It was really? Pretty, yeah, it was so bad. Like I, <laughs> I think my uh, my girlfriend caddied for me, and she got me a beer. Because um, it was yeah, in Warrigal or something, wasn't it? it was yeah, like it was in Warrigal, and then um, I, yeah, I guess technically now I'm a Queenslander. I've moved up to Queensland, so um, yeah, we I'd planned to drive back to Queensland the next day. So literally had one beer. She drove home. Um, had a couple champagnes with um, some good friends like Billets that um, we both stay at. Um, literally got up the next morning, 6am, and started our trek to Queensland. So it was pretty, pretty boring that way. Um, so hopefully That's... this week, if we win another trophy, I'm sure that I'll, um, 
I'll give it the proper celebration. Yeah, I was going to say that is a bit disappointing, to be honest. It was very disappointing and it was just frustrating. Like we had, you know, it was at the time where, geez, it sounds like it's so far like so long ago where it was like, you know, we had to get a test on the border and then we had to wait, you know, for our tests and, you know, my girlfriend got tested a minute after me and hers didn't come back for eight hours and we were just sitting at the border. So it was literally the worst celebrations. Like we would just like get us home. Like, you know, a two-day drive turned into a three-and-a-half-day trip. So it was like – but then at the end of the day, we got back and I was like, well, I still won. So <laughs> it was all right. I didn't mind it too much. But A couple of quick ones before we let you go and because uh, appreciate it is late over in uh, on the East Coast. Uh, we like to go through people's Instagrams. This is generally what we do. So this okay. is the, the bane of our research. I think um, I've got rid of a few bad things. So yeah, hopefully you haven't dug up too much. I haven't got anything really incriminating. Um, well, that's know. great. That's that's literally <laughs> the goal. That's what I've wanted. So we Definitely. we do go back to generally the first post that you've ever done, but there's not much, not much there. It's just you drinking a UDL, and I hope uh, since 2017 your your drink choices. Uh, maybe improve a little, um, but I do want to. I'd like to think so. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm trying to think. Yeah, where you've got me there, but yeah, I do want to ask about 2018 on the 31st of January. There's a photo with you and the great man John Howard. Where did you meet John? <laughs> yeah. uh, and how and why? And um, I guess what what was John doing out on a golf course? It looks like I assume you're out on a golf course anyway. Yeah, um, that was actually the Avondale Medal. I think he's a member there. Right. Me. And so they usually get him to do like the speeches and that sort of stuff. And I think I finished third there. Pardon me. So he came up and obviously gave the um, gave the speech or whatever. And, you know, Johnny's getting pretty old. So um, <laughs> it was um, taking a while. But, um, yeah, just decided to get a photo with him. I think during the week, one of the other boys, um, you know, there was like a member's handbook there at the club and they're going through the members directory and his number comes up and we're like, how funny would that be if he answered? So we rang him, but it was his like, I guess his members office or whatever it was called. So we didn't get a call in there, but um, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, like it was just funny and, you know, seeing him and obviously being a prime minister and stuff, it was pretty cool to just get a photo. So um, I think he would have forgotten about that one pretty quickly with his age at the moment. So he was, uh, I think he was having a beer as well. He loved a beer, so um, did he? It's good, good to see. Did you, as a keen cricketer, give him any tips on his bowling? Because obviously, famous videos of John's leg spin not being particularly great. Half trackers. Yeah, um, I would have loved to, but then again, I think the age is coming in, and he probably wouldn't have got any jokes or anything. <laughs> so I thought, you know, well, I'll probably save myself here because yeah, save the embarrassment. But really, embarrassments on him for that, whatever that was <laughs> that he uh, served up. It was. It was horrible. I want to ask you a quick one about growing up in South Australia. I mean, such yeah. a, a rich array of golf courses in South Australia. Um, yeah. Victoria gets a lot of love, obviously, for the sand belt. And Tasmania gets its Bamboogle love and, and Queensland's got a heat. But I think not having played, and I'll put my hand up, not having played golf in South Australia, only from what I can see, there's a huge amount of wonderful, wonderful golf courses. Of course, Royal Adelaide has Mackenzie yep. influences in there. Kuyonga, which yep. you spoke about, the Grange. Like there's so many wonderful courses there. And I'm keen to to hear your thoughts on, you know, how underrated South Australian golf actually is. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you chuck Glenelg in there as well. They usually Glenelg, call it. Yeah, yeah the, the big four or I guess if you want to call it that kind of thing. Like they're the main ones. Uh, and yeah, I think you can make a great trip out of it. You know, you come down with a few mates and you can get onto those courses. Um, like if you can, I know Kuyong is getting pretty hard to get onto now. Um, but yeah, they're just, they're just great for SA, um, to have those. And I guess for kids growing up to play those, you know, obviously I would liken them more to, um, the Victorian courses, the sand belt kind of yeah. thing. Obviously, it doesn't look exactly the same, but they can have that same effect where they play firm um, and fast. So um, that's only those ones. And there's a few, if you go down, I know there's Lynx Lady Bay um, down there, which is a great course. Um, when the wind blows, it's so hard. Um, you've got a couple of good courses up in the hills. Um, 
but yeah, I guess being SA, like things are just, it's just a little old SA. Everyone kind of just forgets about it. So I think if you can um, get past that and come down, I think, yeah, everyone would enjoy playing those. Trust me, you're speaking to someone from Western Australia. We constantly get left out of the golfing well, yeah, conversation. I was going to say, well, you're in a different country now, <laughs> exactly so you probably right. get left out even more. Prologies, the the, uh, the the Republic of of Western Australia. But Lynx Lady Bay is another interesting one. We do, obviously, a lot of work with Blitz Golf, as our listeners would know. So, um, yeah, doing some great things yeah. out there. Um, before we go, what's what's the plans for the rest of 2022? Um, is it to you're going to play the rest of the Aussie tour or are you going to head off early to go overseas what's the what's the sort of plans for the remainder of 22 yeah i think i'll i'll play the rest of these um i'll keep going on with that sort of you know play a full season somewhere um and and just see where the order of merit takes me um i think depending on what happens over in wa whether those events go ahead you know the season might end in at concord um who knows so i think most of the q schools and those other tours they sort of can start after that so it's actually not really conflicting um so i'll just play the rest of this year and then see what i finish on the order of merit um and then just reevaluate with my coach you know where we want to go like if you know i finish in the top three we're laughing if i finish in the top five we're laughing you know finish in the top 10 or wherever we'll be laughing you know um but we just got to work out what leads to what um and yeah, I guess just not get too ahead of ourselves in trying to be like, oh, let's finish this in a particular, like at this level or sorry, this number um, and just wait to see what happens. Um, I think a couple of the events I've sort of put a bit of pressure on myself to to do well. And you just can't do that because the tournaments that, you know, I did well at the start, like I, I wasn't, I was thinking of the order merit, but I wasn't really thinking of it. Um so I just, yeah, just got to relax and just do what I've been doing, take it one week at a time. You, the cliches, they're always so shit, but they're also so true as well. So, um, yeah, we'll just go from there, see what happens. So. Oh, we wish you the best of luck, mate. Uh, you've got the TPS Murray River, of course, in order yeah. of Jared Lyle this yeah. week. Um, so hopefully things go well for you there and hopefully things go well for the rest of the season and we might see you over here in WA who knows what it all looks like but uh, yeah best hopefully luck to I'd love to love to come back <laughs> absolutely get out, to, get out to Kalgoorlie uh, and out yep. to Royal Frio as well so uh, yeah. yeah very best of luck for the rest of 22 mate and um, thanks very much for joining us on the 19th tee yeah, thank you very much thanks for having me look forward to coming back